Seinfeld, the millennium is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys. Number one on your podcast speed dial, I'm Rob Sister. Here's the Keith Winnegar. Keith, how you doing? I thought you were going to say uh, two guys who don't know what desiccant means. <laughs> no, I almost was going to say two guys who never have enough cube dice. Yes, uh, ready to go here to talk about the millennium. And something in a very weird turn of events that we are podcasting about a show that was like making a joke about the Millennium New Year's, which was so far away, which was, you know, two plus years from the air date of this episode. But to us is 17 years plus in the past. Yeah. What's also weird about the show is in theory, I mean, they didn't come especially close. But they could have been setting up like the Millennium Party in season 11 at this point. Yeah, I guess um, that they thought that this was going to be the last season. I they come back for one more. I think the show knew that they were going to be long gone by the time they got to the Millennium New Year's. You're probably right. But also like they make it to season nine and it was never really like a given. Like all that had to happen was Jerry had to like have his arm twisted and he's back for 10. And then, you know, a lot of times these shows just go forever. Look at uh, Big Bang Theory or whatever. Mm, I, I it's always been my understanding that you know that they did a lot of arm twisting and like backed up the truck for Jerry to do season nine and then there was no amount of money that he was going to do a season 10 I agree but if you're just like the network you always assume like all right we'll offer him a little more like I don't think they knew from every single day of the season uh you know that like there's a zero percent chance mm-hmm well, all right. It's well, hard to walk away from hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, I got the sense that they did. I mean, that that's always been sort of like the oral. Well, Jerry did. I don't show. think the the other. Oh, yeah, I don't think anyone else. Jason was Alexander. To. Just Jerry. They would have done, you know, 78 seasons of the show. Yeah, they would still be going right now. Yeah. Michael Richards would still be gone. <laughs> They'd also be gone. Nobody would have left. But that's not what we're talking about. I mean, not that would have been a reality. great like season 31 scandal. <laughs> the Michael yeah. Richards scandal. So here we are to right talk about this. Keith, what do you think of the name of this episode? Should the title have been The Millennium? I mean, what do you want it to be? The Numanium? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's never been the my head favorite storyline. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's fine that uh, we can go with that. So uh, we got a lot to talk through here today. Uh, the speed dial maybe might be better. Yeah, I think the speed dial probably is maybe a little more prevalent. I think that makes sense. Okay. So we're going to talk about Jerry and uh, his position on the speed dial. George trying to get fired from the Yankees. Elaine gets into a fight with the store because of a rude clerk. Oh, and some hamachis. And then also uh, Kramer and Newman have a dueling uh, Millennium New Year's parties. Keeve, what did you do? What crazy antics were you up to on December 31st, 1999? A lot of people ask this in the mailbag. And... I think the sad answer is basically nothing. I was 16 years old and it was a Friday night mm-hmm. and I don't really do anything on Friday nights. I kind of stay in like, um, you know, so I, I don't think I, maybe I had a friend over, but I, it's possible I was sleeping. Yeah, I guess that's possible. So I had one of the better New Year's. I really don't have any good New Year's. Maybe there's like of my entire life. I have like five that were good. But I always point to this was the best one where I actually on a winter break, I went back braving the snow and ice up to Oswego, New York to go and uh, be up at college 
for the uh, December 31st, uh, 1999. And I went to a bar called The Patch and they had like a uh, open bar at the, the Patch. And uh, there was a lot of my friends that all uh, also went back up to the Oswego for the New Year's Eve. Uh, and that was one of the better ones. Other than that, I really couldn't tell you too many other details about the night other than it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of drinking and a lot of my friends were there. Yeah, if someone's really young uh, and they don't remember it, it's hard to explain. Like there was a little bit of like nervousness and paranoia. Yeah, you know, they, they had the the Y2K bug or whatever it was called, like that the computers were all going to reset. People Do were, we need were, to like, explain what that is, Keeve? Like, does Millennial Max know what Y2K is? Well, he probably is a big Chris Jericho fan, so probably knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, that nickname is stuck for 17 years. Yeah. By the way, he still calls himself Y2J, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but He's going to be going in 2100. He was at case. WrestleMania this week. <laughs> <laughs> and still podcasting uh, like a mofo on Podcast One. But That's right. The Y2K, for anybody, any of our younger listeners, uh, there was some concern that all of the computer data had been entered into the system as like a two-digit year. So like all the dates would have been, for instance, today's day 04, 05, 17. Uh, but that was 1917. Then they did not change everything to a four-digit number. And they basically just thought like whether all of the power plants were going to shut down. Anything computerized was just going to self-destruct based on it would have been like the year minus uh, 100 or something like that. Uh, yeah, and I think literally nothing happened. <laughs> people also thought the world was going to end. Oh, there were people like in underground bunkers and stuff like that. And I don't know if people just got like enough of a head start on it to prevent whatever might have gone wrong or people but like this was like I think uh, Y2K was like really the dawn of the doomsday preppers. I think that this was uh, really where that ball got rolling. I think you're right. And I think had they had those shows back then, those would have been some real good season finale. Yeah, I think that that really people. brought the doomsday preppers into the mainstream. The people that sort of like prepped for Y2K, then that didn't happen. And then they had to work on other stuff. And now to the point where, you know, I'm getting my bunker ready, Keith. Are you really? No, not quite, but uh, yeah, I, I do think about it. I mean, do you have like a bunker? Like, no. is it just going to be your garage? Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't know that uh, it's. <laughs> we can get into that another another time. But uh, let's talk about the millennium from May first, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, it's at Cinco de Mayo. Also, um, was that I, topical? I wonder if that was was like, that? Yeah, was that, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm wondering if that was because it was it was almost Cinco de Mayo. It was the Cinco de Mayo episode. You know, every weird. sitcom needs a special Cinco de Mayo episode. There's no real mention of Cinco de Mayo or anything like Elaine is like in some sort of like South American clothing store and she's like is like getting the shoes and there's some chips and salsa that get eaten. And one of the stores is called Cinco de Mayo, but it's really not sort of like matched up to the holiday. No, I mean, I, and it, it's Mayan. What is it like Peruvian? I don't even know. I don't know. Keith, what's your best Cinco de Mayo story? I don't have any. I feel like I knew, like, I feel like I knew. I would have been shocked if you actually did have a Cinco de Mayo story. I mean, you'd be lucky for me to know, like, which day is Cinco de Mayo. But I feel like I had, like, 20 friends whose birthdays were May 5th. So I just, I just remember it being confusing because 
it's easy to remember like one friend's birthday when you have like eight friends with the same birthday. You're like, you don't remember which eight they are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's All my right. only secret of my story. All right. The Van Buren boys, you could call them just to make it less confusing. That's right. But put up the number five. Yeah. All right. So Jennifer Crittenden writes this episode and it starts off uh, in the store. Now, the store that Elaine starts in, there's some confusion here. Is this Cinco de Mayo? Or this is Puta de Mayo. This is Puta Mayo. Puta Mayo. OK. Yeah. And so what is the translation of Puta Mayo? Oh, I don't know. I mean, her last name is Mayo, the proprietor of this store. Is that an actual Spanish? Yeah, word? So it's a play on words, but I bet it means something also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Pudumayo. Mm, let's see. Spanish translator. Translate Pudu in Spanish and uh, not found. So, okay. So it might Pudu. be. A, it looks. I mean, the first things that come up are pretty much Seinfeld. So, okay. So Elaine will definitely get three emails about how ignorant we are about Pudumayo. Uh, it could happen. Uh, so Elaine's in Pudumayo to start off the episode and she's looking at a bunch of stuff. The woman uh, Gladys is on the phone. She's having a whole conversation. Elaine's uh, being ignored. And eventually she gives a loud, hey, and the woman hangs up the phone. And Elaine is uh, just wants to tell her, you just lost a customer. Yeah, I mean, the war between Elaine and this lady is so one sided that I feel like it might have been funnier if it was two sided. Yeah, the woman who runs Putamayo and Cinco de Mayo is really indifferent to Elaine throughout the whole episode. But I do think that they were on to something here. I, I feel like that this is like a customer service war that you might see waged more over social media these days than over any sort of like actual retail establishment. Right. Yeah. This this war would have been fought on Yelp. Yes. Nowadays. Keeve, do you ever do the move where you go on social media and like complain about a company to like uh, just like in your feed, like uh, like, hey, at Delta Airlines, you mm. are you, sir. I've never experienced blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think I've ever done it for a com- maybe like if I have a question and with an airline or something, but I've, I've never really just like called out an airline especially without like adding them. So like nobody else can see it. Mm-hmm. I've never done it. I've never left a review on Yelp. I don't think I've never left a review on Facebook. It's funny because I'll check the reviews, right? Like I won't go to a restaurant if it has really bad reviews or like I'll check out a hotel before I book a hotel and make sure it has really good reviews. But I've also never left a review. So I don't know who's doing the reviewing. Yeah, I feel like it's never a good look when anybody uh, does it. I, I probably at some point have done it as like a last resort myself, but it's not something I've ever been proud of. Yeah. I hate the people who only use social media for uh, complaining about companies. Like I I have a few people on Twitter that like they won't tweet for a year and then it'll be like, Hey Chase, I'm ditching you for Citibank. Right. Right. And it's and never it's like a good luck in a row to chase when it, yeah, when it's if like, I was chase, I wouldn't respond unless they also tweeted about other things. Yeah. Like nobody cares what you think. If you're just coming on here once a year to tweet to us, I would hope that if I have ever done this, I hope I deleted those tweets. Hold on. I'm going to search Rob and Delta airlines. While <laughs> I don't think on. so. I don't think I would have had a problem uh, with them at any point, but um, yeah, I, I do feel like that. I, I will sometimes like uh, look for customer support, like on social media. It's sometimes you'll get like a quicker answer via social media than you would if you were to contact them. But just like the scathing sort of stuff that Elaine tries to do in this episode, uh, you know, it, it's never a flattering look for somebody on social media. Uh, meanwhile, Jerry is on a date with a woman and uh, this is Valerie. Valerie doesn't really have any 
specific character traits other than she updates her speed dial. Her speed dial on her phone is constantly reflective of what's going on in her life. Keith, can you explain what speed dial is for some of our younger listeners? Is that necessary? You used to have to type out a phone number before before you'd call someone. First of all, you'd have to remember phone numbers, which was insane. Mm -hmm. Like I just had phone numbers in my head. I didn't like have a piece of paper. So you could, you know, that's you only had like as many friends as phone numbers you could remember. So I had like 11 friends because that says how many how many of their numbers I can know. And then you'd have to type them in. But if you had a speed dial phone, you just push one button and it would call them automatically. But there were like, I feel like setting it up was a lot of work. There were buttons that you could program to have a number stored. Like Like in your smartphone, you just have the names associated with the numbers. You would have like a button that you could program. And then there was like a little thing you could write like with a pencil. Okay, Keeve and then Nana and then uh, Chester uh, and then Scott St. Pierre. And you could have all those numbers in there. But it really was a pain in the neck. Like uh, if you maybe you did that when you first bought the phone. But if anybody ever moved or was out of your life, they were stuck there. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, nobody ever switched the numbers. Uh, just if someone's wondering if Rob's ever tweeted at Delta. December 23rd, 2009. What I say? You, you tweeted if you're if you're flying Delta, use the code Delta Tri Gogo for free for free internet on the plane. Dot dot dot. But it's still a boring flight. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that was <laughs> something that they like auto filled in for me because uh, I, like I don't know if I uh, again. Um, it sounds like I editorialized it, but I, I don't know what I was. Maybe like you got more minutes or something if other uh, people use the code or something. Some sort of affiliate marketing scheme. Yeah. And then this person, I can't even like read that tweet back. It was a weird tweet. But um, the yeah, so not a lot of Rob complaining about airlines, which is like, you know, if someone ever asks you like your best qualities, you could say I never like bitch out companies on social media. Right. And uh, I do most of my complaining either on a podcast or uh, just like to myself like just ranting about things that that's where i really that do would be my best that work. would be like that's like a real jerk move if you like tweeted at american airlines or something and you were like you know if you don't switch my flight i'm gonna like bash you guys in front of my like thousands and thousands of podcast you know followers and i have fifty two thousand followers on twitter and you know if you like when sports writers do that sometimes like you have to you like show them how big you are and then they have to listen to you i do wonder if you being verified gives you more juice with the uh if they know to like listen more. Oh, that's more possible. To. That's interesting. I don't think so anymore. I feel like that there's uh You there, don't think so? Yeah, there's too many uh crybabies out there. We'll try it. I, I I'm flying a lot this summer. If I have any problems, I'm gonna have you take care of them for me. Yeah, like, my uh, friend hey. Keeve is flying and uh he is really <laughs> not enjoying things right now. Can you do something for him? Can you yeah, contact he needs, the uh, flight? wireless internet on this flight? Yeah, that's right. Can you okay. get an airplane that has uh, Wi Fi, please? <laughs> All right, so Jerry is noticing uh, that he is at number seven on the speed dial, and I guess that he has just started dating this woman. Yeah, he says um, pretty soon after this that they've been dating a week, so this is the very beginning of their relationship. He's already on speed dial. Are you surprised Jerry isn't more turned off about this whole situation? Like, I feel like that Jerry has always wanted to run away from a commitment that's moving too fast. This does seem like that this is headed in a more serious direction than Jerry may want to go. It's a good point, but it's also like a little bit of ego stroking where it's like, oh, I'm already on the speed dial. He's not number one yet, so it's not that crazy. Yeah. All right. So Jerry and George are talking about the speed dial. George is very quick to point out how annoying it is, what a pain it is to change the speed dial. Kramer comes in. 
He wants to keep folding chairs in Jerry's house. He's having a New Year's Eve party. Jerry says, you're going to keep these here for eight months. No, it's for New Year's Eve 1999, the millennium. It's funny because Kramer's like the most like fly by the seat of his pants guy. The idea that he's like preparing for something in, you know, 30 months from now is insane. Yeah. Were people planning huge parties of two and a half years in the you know, uh, like at, in 1997, were people talking about millennium parties? I, you know, I wouldn't know. I wasn't invited to any in 1999, let alone 97. <laughs> so I wouldn't know. All right. Uh, George is also saying that he got a call from the Mets. They want to take him out to lunch. Yeah. I mean, the Mets were, you know, hapless at a lot of times in the 90s. But at this point, they're they're really turning on the Jets in 1997. I feel like they could have done better as a scout than like the Yankees travel assistant to the traveling secretary. And when you say turning on the Jets, you mean like uh, becoming a worse franchise? <laughs> right. That's <laughs> I, 1997, you know, coming off some really bad years. 1997 was like the first time ever that our, you know, our team started to both be good at the same time. Yeah, that uh, Parcells comes on in 97. And then that's also a little bit of a uh, the Mets are starting to uh, get good again after uh, some really uh, down years. I feel like that they were in the wild card hunt in uh, 97 and then ultimately uh, get Piazza in uh, 98. But in terms of uh, this Steve Phillips era of the Mets, uh, why are they looking towards the Yankees front office? Oh, by the way, Steve Phillips probably heard like, "Ooh, assistant to the traveling secretary. He probably thought it was a woman. And that's why he wanted uh, that. To come hire on. Him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Elaine comes in and uh, she's upset about Putumayo. They completely ignored her when she was trying to get Harachis. And so Kramer says uh, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, that's another store. She should go to Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. I mean, who knew that there's like so many dueling Mayan stores in. Listen, I, Elaine will get her revenge and that neither of these stores exist in 2017 still. Right. <laughs> right. Right. They've been replaced. Uh, Kramer is bringing in more and more stuff. He brings in balloons. Jerry says those balloons aren't going to keep. He says, Jerry, these are my everyday balloons. W w what are we doing here, Keith? I think he's embarrassed. You ever like get caught doing something embarrassing oh. and then you sort of like try and soften it? So Kramer got so excited. Here. He bought balloons for the party and then he's just trying to deny that they're for the New Year's Eve party. He doesn't want to sound that dumb. Like, of course, the balloons are going to pop in the next three years. And that makes sense. That makes sense. But they're not going to pop. They're going to be deflated. Yeah, whatever. Deflate deflated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So George has a chance to dine with uh, some executives from uh, this uh, Steve Phillips front office. And where do they go? The one good place in New York City where you can get some lunch. Monk's Cafe. Listen, fans love to call the Mets owners the coupons, right? <laughs> I feel like I don't even think the Mets are paying for this lunch. So, yeah, this is definitely on brand for the Mets to like go to this gross diner near George's house. Yeah. All right. So they're talking with the head of scouting, but they're being very cloak and dagger. We're not talking. Basically, they're saying but not saying that George needs to get fired. They're not even saying they're going to pay for the lunch. Right. That, right. They don't give him any promise. Uh, I guess there's there's a tampering law. So I don't know if that affects if he could quit or not. People were asking that. But um, yeah, with no promise to anything, no discussion of salary. He just agrees immediately to get fired from the Yankees. Why does George Costanza want to be the head of scouting for the Mets? Is it? a better title is it a higher paying job because it's something that george costanza seemingly knows nothing about 
You know, George has made reference in earlier seasons to the fact that he's like a very knowledgeable sports fan. And that so like he's just as capable of being an announcer as as an ex-player. And, I, I, you know, like George works for the Yankees, which is cool, but he has nothing to do with the players. You know, he inserts himself into the dugout sometimes, but he has nothing like he's on the business end of the team. I, you know, becoming a scout is the, is the totally opposite and much cooler end of being at sports. Right? Is it is it being a baseball scout? I mean, isn't this like a lot of time on the road, a lot of time like going to high yeah, school? But he's the head and- scout being like a regular scout. They make like 50 grand and they have to, you know, they all have like there's always articles. They have like 300,000 miles on like a 97 Camry. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the head scout. So he could probably do a lot of. Uh, delegating and stay in the office all day and make well, a lot what is the money. head scout doing like watching vhs tapes that are being sent in by the people on the road well first you get to choose like if there's a good you know if there's a prospect in like you know vegas then you get to go to vegas there are no prospects in vegas it's a bunch of old you know uh hitters now but the the um, hey, that's where the mets triple a team is i'm kidding i'm kidding the, the I, right now actually there are a couple prospects in vegas mm-hmm. but the um you know you get to choose i mean what do you mean are you seriously arguing that the head scout is not a better job than assistant to the traveling secretary i think it's a harder job and i don't know necessarily yeah, if true. it's like you're closer to like he works in yankee stadium if all he cares about is an easy job and the prestige is it that much more money i just don't know necessarily if you know nothing about scouting why go and take this job and potentially be terrible at it for a year or two and then be fired. It just seems like uh, I don't know what George is going for here. Yeah, it's a fair question, but it's more money. I agree. George shouldn't want more responsibility. And it's also George is a Yankee fan, right? Like, why would he? I wouldn't want to take a job with the Yankees. Would you? Yeah, I would not. But it depends what they were offering. But is it twice as much money? I mean, it just seems like is this a, a three times as much money? It's, I think it's got to be at least double his salary. Head scout, I'm going to say double his salary. Okay. So we go back to Jerry and his date, Valerie. She's upset. She's not happy. Things are not going uh, so well. Uh, Jerry took her to a Mongolian barbecue. He heard good things. It only had two stars in Zagat's. Keeve, before there was Yelp, you had to have like a book and then look things up in the book to see how good it was. Yeah. They still have those books in like CVS and Rite Aid and stuff. Yeah. Has anybody ever bought one? I mean, maybe if it's a really long line, but yeah, they're, they're, and they're also like little and they're kind of overpriced what you could. And also that's the type of book you could pick up and like there's three restaurants you want to check. You could just check it while you're online and then you're done with the book. Yeah, that's a good idea. Check it on your phone. All right. So she's not happy overall. And Jerry goes to check his messages again for the second time in this episode. We talked about last week. I think it was what's the most dated line in the show. I said, anytime somebody's trying to check their messages. And so Jerry sees he is down to number nine in the rankings. Yeah. I mean, this is like the college football rankings, right? It's like updated every Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, some sort of a BCS of Valerie's phone. That's right. And it's just a lot of work, it seems like. Yeah, it really is to do the power rankings every week of everybody in your life to move around your speed. And, and you have to be like a real crazy person for like the rankings to also change every week. Right. It's like, do you normally I, are you normally like, well, I like one sister better than my brother. But then the next week you're like, nah, kind of like my brother better. So he moves up to number two this week. Yeah. And it's not just changing the little card. You have to reprogram the numbers and it's. It was easy enough, I guess, if like Jerry and somebody else, like whoever was nine last week is now seven. But this gets very tricky when Jerry's down to nine. 
The person who is nine is now eight. The person who's eight is up to six. The six is now the five. You, I mean, you're, I, I, it would take you at least an hour to change these numbers around like that. Yeah. What if someone like Jerry's, you know, new to the, uh, new to the game and someone got, someone fell, you know, fell out of the rankings. Like you see on the bottom, like the AP top 25, like Mm -hmm. fell out from last week. So you got to take that person out, put a new person in. If it was me, I would not like date or meet anybody new just so I don't have to update my speed dial. Right. You just would need to have sort of like a piece of paper next to the phone with all the numbers on it anyway, because you'd be doing so much reprogramming. It's just like defeats the purpose of even having the speed dial. Yeah. What if you just move the numbers around? Hmm. How do you mean? Oh, kept no, I guess that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work either. I, I guess. No, I mean, it kind of. W- yeah. Because it, it, it's a button. So it might work. You just like you move the number one next to Jerry. But you're still just pushing the Jerry button. So you're still calling the same person. That would be the only logical way that you could potentially do it. But you're right. But it's not logical. It's totally insane. <laughs> like the, the whole system is. Yes. My, my big complaint with Valerie, it, the, it's a it's an OK idea. It's not the worst of the subplots. Definitely not the best. The, they took an actress who's like absolutely dynamite, Lauren Graham. And she's kind of humorless. Like you said, she doesn't really have any. She's a one no character. She's all about the speed dial. Uh, you know, they they kind of wasted her where she could have been like a real star of the girlfriend. Yeah. The other thing that they don't really do with her is that we don't see how her speed dial like affects anything else in her life. Like, does she have rankings of like the shampoo in her closet or, you know, right. that, it just seems like that. Right. She- is she a serial ranker? Is she like the Chester of, <laughs> of like the early 90s? Yes. Yeah, I think that might have been fun to sort of see like where else this sort of like uh, rears its head in her life. Uh, Like the radio stations in her car. Are they sort of like the same sort of thing? But anyway, uh, we go back to Elaine. She goes to uh, past uh, Poo de Mayo again. She has now gotten all these clothes from uh, Cinco de Mayo and says, uh, say goodbye to all this commission. Yeah. And again, the woman totally indifferent. Could not care less. So George is at Jerry's. He comes in and is singing Meet the Mets. Keith, is this the high point in the Seinfeld series for you? Oh, yeah. No question. And, and, and hearing the song Meet the Mets puts a smile on my face. Of course, when we were kids, there was a lot of like, you know, meet the Mets, you know, greet the Mets, come step right up and beat the Mets or something. There was a lot of like jokes, especially with the Yankee fans, right? Mm-hmm. On the on the theme song. But yes, hearing the song brightens my day always. Yeah. And so George ends up pulling up a chair. I like how that he is incorporating the folding chair. He pulls out a folding chair to sit with uh, Jerry and Kramer. Kramer is uh, still crunching all the numbers for the millennium New Year's. And George says he's going to get fired and he is going to go out in a blaze of glory. Uh, Like the time at Dairy Queen, he cooled his feet in the soft serve machine. Yeah, and he got fired. Is there a grosser story that you could think of, Keeve? I mean, that's pretty bad. I could think of worse, but that's up there. Yeah. So uh, Kramer has an interesting question. He wants to know, will people still use napkins in the year 2000? Or is that mouth vacuum thing going to be for real? It's a funny joke. Yeah. I, I do like this stuff. Uh, they just ignore him. They don't even acknowledge uh, what he says. <laughs> uh, but we go back to talking about the speed dial. And now he's down to uh, number nine. Uh, Jerry says this is like a relationship barometer. Uh, I did laugh audibly when Kramer says uh, it's pronounced thermometer. Yeah, that's a good joke, too. Okay, 
So Kramer then is saying that in the year 2000, in the millennium, then we will all be on speed dial. Uh, you'll just think of a person and then you'll call them. Now, is this bit a ripoff of the Conan uh, in the year 2000 bit, Keeve? No, I think this predates it. This predates it? No way. Yeah, this is this is 1997. In the year 2000, I don't know when that started, but it, it was after 97. No, I think it started like in 94 when uh, Conan, uh, I think this is probably an, uh, a really quick dog pile uh, to figure out the answer to. And then they kept I, okay. The first one after two. First one I see is from New Year's '97. Yeah. So if they ripped it off, it's very new. Okay. The only, they only did it once in. I think the joke was they did it after the year 2000, mostly. Yeah, but they were doing it before 2000, also. Yeah, but they did it much more actually afterwards. I think. Okay. All right. So it's not as it's not as bad. If it was uh, very early '97, there's a chance that this script could have been written uh, around that same time. So I will uh, retract my earlier comment. Uh, yes, they did not rip off Conan O'Brien. Although I do, I did love those segments. Chester went on a big um, Conan deep I think dive I heard and watched this. like yeah. every every like Conan sketch ever. Even like Conan O'Brien, if he knew about this, would would like you know get him committed basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I heard him say that on one of the podcasts. Okay. Uh, I also like that Kramer is saying that Newman is on the mental phone and uh, he's like, I'm not here. I'm not here, uh, which is pretty funny. All right. So Jerry is like going out of his way to impress Valerie. And somehow, I don't know what the timing of this is. He took her out on a date. He got her like a gift certificate and got her flowers. He's already number one. This seems like this was a lot of wasted energy, Cave. Right. It's she like, I guess he said, hey, tomorrow we're going to a play. We're going to dinner. I'm getting you flowers. I bought you a present. So then she puts him before the date as number one. Right. It doesn't. It seems like the timing is off here. I agree. Yeah. Okay. And he's like talking to himself. Uh, Seinfeld, you magnificent bastard. It's surprising that she doesn't hear what he's saying. But again, uh, that's. That's a sitcom rule. If you speak to yourself, the other person does not hear you. Okay. So uh, when I mutter something to about, you know, to myself, let's say about my spouse, a hundred percent of the time they hear me oh, but in the Seinfeld world. Zero. Uh, I mean, I, I've talked about this a lot, but it, it did happen again yesterday where I was in a uh, disagreement with my wife and I was walking away. I was in, I was, uh, I had closed the door to my office. I was walking up the stairs and I muttered something under my breath and she's, I heard that. Oh my God. It is super, you know, but superhuman. Again, here. I could be uh, like, you know, uh, fallen on the floor, screaming at the top of my lungs under no other circumstances. Can she hear me up here? Only. Oh no, you, you could be James Franco in 127 hours in your office and you just die. Ne- like she I'm would never die. come. No, but no, she would <laughs> never, never hear where I said. Yeah. Anyway, so George is back at a meeting at Yankee Stadium. He is now wearing Babe Ruth's uniform. I mean, this is so over the top, but it's also really funny. I mean, it's hilarious. I mean, it's uh, not realistic at all, but it's so funny. And then uh, he's eating strawberries and getting the strawberries uh, all over Babe Ruth's uniform. I mean, if you if you actually did this, not only would you be fired, they might like call the police and put you in jail. Yeah, because uh, you stole something worth like one hundred thousand dollars. You'd be next to the like the guy who stole the Brady jersey. Hmm. I'm trying to think, um, did did something like this actually happen? Didn't like David Wells uh, wear Babe Ruth's uniform? I think he bought it, though, like it was his to do. Um, I feel like he just he just took it. 
Uh, let, really? Let's I thought see. he like bought Babe Ruth's jersey for like hundred grand. Uh, let's see. Uh, was was it Babe Ruth? You don't hear much from David Wells nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, was it a uh, a Babe Ruth hat? Was that what it was? Oh, did he use pitch wearing his hat? Possibly. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um. Or maybe did he say that after the fact? No, I'm on like a some. Uh, he definitely pitched wearing a Babe Ruth hat. And then he must have fallen on hard times five years ago because he sold it. Yeah, what's he doing these days, David Wells? I guess he's on eBay a lot selling <laughs> stuff. Antiquing? Yeah, I think you know he's he got, he's a, lot got of a retired athletes that are into that. Antiquing? Yeah, you could you, you know flipping is very big nowadays on eBay. Yeah, like uh, Batista? No, I think you gotta you have to um, you know, like go to like yard sales, then buy stuff, and then like flip it for three times the price. That's what people do. Oh, I thought you meant like flip it like in a celebration. No, bad, not bad flip. Yeah. How many Twitter followers does David Wells have? Uh, probably I would say sixty thousand. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Now is he verified? Yeah, he's verified. I mean, and he even tweets. But uh, but he has twenty-one the followers athletes. or twenty-one thousand. By the way, here's a good game for the listeners, but don't at the people. And Rob probably doesn't care, so you could just tweet at me, unless Rob says he cares too. Do not at the people, Johnny, or anybody. The find like big celebrities that you would be shocked to have under 10,000 followers. It always like, I always find fascinating. Like Anne Heche, she's really famous, right? Yeah. She has like 6,000 followers and she's on Twitter. Mm, does she and tweet? Verified. So, uh, yeah, she tweets. So find it, but, but just say the name. Don't, uh, don't at them because it's me. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll give the winner a prize for like a famous person with under 10,000 followers. Yeah, some people, it's just like their name is like, oh, I know who that person is, but they don't have any fans from anything. Like, they're not like... Right, right. It, it, they don't have fans or they missed it. Like, uh, you know, Brian Dunkelman, I remember once I saw and he had like 400 followers. Right. But if Twitter existed during the first year of American Idol, he would have had a million. But they were like never involved in anything that has a fan base. Right, like they, right. If you're just like a peripheral person on Star Wars or on Lost or on The Office, shows that have like cult fan base... You're immediately at six figures. I right, agree. Right. But if you just like we're in a bunch of stuff, but nothing was really, uh, you know, had a, a, a fan base or isn't remembered, then, you know, people are just like, eh. Right. And the singers tend to do better. Right. If you were a B-list actor, then you could have like a weirdly low number. Whereas even if you're like a D-list singer, you'll have a million followers. Yeah. So the game is the celebrity with the fewest amount of followers that we're the most surprised about. Yeah, basically the biggest celebrity under 10,000, but they also have to tweet. It can't be like they have zero tweets. Yeah, so what do you constitute tweeting? Like, how many tweets would they have to have made in 2017? Uh, that's a good question. I, it doesn't have to be 2017, because a lot of people stop tweeting because Twitter is hot garbage right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially since they switched the rules uh, this week. that it, You can't even follow what's going on on the site anymore. You're adding yourself four different times in the same tweet. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Also, they did change. So there's no more egg people on Twitter. Yeah. Now, egg person is just sort of like it looks like like a silhouette of a person Um, that they, they did this all wrong. The yeah. Twitter default picture should just be like a square. And it says, I am a stupid idiot. And that's yes. it. Yes. And then that's what but you can't Twitter do that because they want. It's like, it, it, let's even have a party and then no one's there. You're not going to you're not going to like not invite people if no one's coming. You have to lie and say there were more people there. So they Twitter is pro egg people right now because no one else is on the site. If they start losing people, it'll just be like 5000 journalists. Left. Yeah, but just yelling at each other. No, but that. you need the I am a stupid idiot picture to replace, mm -hmm. you know, then 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 it'll like then you sort of like start weeding people out. 
like uh, or you say right. that the, or they'll the, upload something uh, unless you're saying that Twitter is complicit um, that but it, in fairness, a lot of the egg people are stupid idiots. So they might be like not offended about being called stupid. Yeah, idiots. They'll, they'll wear it like as a badge of honor. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It'll be like, yeah, well, whatever like the, I, the version of what have come up with, like, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, what, what you know, I'm, I am uh, a loser. Well, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, you know, I have no friends. I have no friends. Term I feel like you want to come up with yeah. is uh, I don't know mm-hmm. how to work social media. Smelly. Right. Uh, that, yeah. I, that I'm uh, I can't figure this out. That's what it should just say. So something embarrassing. And then mm. <laughs> I have lice. Uh, what, if, what if they like upload a picture for you? It's like they like Twitter, like probably they could get into your, you know, into your files. Like they just like find like the last or yeah, you, you know what it is? It's the last site you visited. So oh, it, it could be updating. like really embarrassing. Yeah. yeah, it keeps updating. Yeah, so, so no, it, be good, really then it gives you like a real snapshot of who this person is. And yeah, totally. <laughs> I, you probably would not. I feel like seeing the last of websites the egg people visited could be a very dark hole, though. Yeah. So um, that's my idea for that. Okay, so mm. let's get yeah, back to uh, here is Kramer. He's still talking about details of the party. He wants to know, will people be able to breathe underwater uh, in the year 2000 uh, at Jerry's house? Yeah, and Johnny wrote in and said that uh, they originally tried to make this work for the tag of the episode to have monks be underwater, but they just couldn't get it to work logistically. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. But it would have been funny. That actually would have been a good tag. Okay. Um, so here comes Elaine and she's wearing all of the clothes from, uh, Punta Mayo or from Cinco de Mayo. And, uh, this is, uh, Jerry says to her, hola. And she's talking about how she's been, uh, walking past the store all day long. And, uh, Jerry has a good line about how, is that why we're getting so much rain? Yeah. I don't even, I don't know if that's offensive or not. Yeah. I don't know if it's problematic nowadays. Mm, I think it's okay. Uh, that. Uh, I don't know. Rain dance. Who knows? I mean, who are you offending? The Mayans? I'm not sure. I don't know anything about rain dance. Okay. Well, if it's offensive, then we don't think it was funny. No, I agree. So Elaine tells Jerry and Kramer about how she has gotten an invitation to the Millennium Party that Newman sent out. First of all, you know, it's amazing that the two least organized people in the world who combined have half a job are planning parties two and a half years in advance. Yeah. Keith. I got to skip ahead a little bit because the ending of this episode has bothered me for many years. So mm-hmm. the last scene, and of course uh, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. So Jerry asks Newman if he booked the party for the millennium new year, because there was no year zero. So is Jerry trying to tell Newman that, his party should be on December 31st, 2000. And if it's not, yes. then yes. it's the super lame party. Yes. But as you're probably about to say, Jerry misspeaks, right? Well, he also misspeaks. He says that it's one year late and lame. Yes. If anything, it's one year early. Yes. They meant to say early. I, I, either Jerry messed that up or the writers messed that up, but it's a mistake. But Akiva, nobody cared it was the year 2000 turning to the year 2001, except for that there was a movie called 2001 A Space Odyssey. No, there there was no buzz. The egg people on Twitter, if Twitter existed in 1997, would have reminded you, it would have been like a people forget thing. Like, people forget there was no year zero. So, you know, the Millennium Party should actually be December December 31st, 2000. 
people mention that like obnoxious people rob mention that every day of the late 90s okay but that the only party people cared about is what are you doing on december 31st 1999 yeah but the nerds were saying I'm, i guarantee you chester refused to go to a party that night that he wasn't invited to but he was saying i'm waiting till december 31st 2000 because that's the real millennium yeah if Newman would have booked his party for December 31st, 2000, it would have been a million times cheaper. There would have been much less demand for a party for that night. He easily, yeah. if that's what he cared about, there's no reason why he couldn't have switched the day. Oh, he could switch it right now. Of course, it's a, he still has three years and and no one's competing for that date. You're right. Yeah. So. Why don't they let Kramer have a party on December 31st, 1999, and Newman has a party on December 31st, 2000? I mean, that might, might be what would have happened. We just, the show ends before we'll never know. the millennium. Okay. It's possible that's exactly what happened. So who, who do we ask that question to? Is that a Michael Richards question? Is that a Wayne Knight question? Yeah, I think if we get Michael or Wayne on, we can ask them. They'd know the answer to that question. Okay. All right. So uh, we go to see Jerry picking up Valerie and uh, it's not Valerie. This is her stepmother. She's very upset. She lost her spot on the speed dial. Her name is Mrs. Hamilton. Yeah, Miss Hamilton, Alexander's wife. Uh, this lady is sadly no longer with us. Oh, um, I was I was uh, her best friend is was uh, at the I guess at the time this aired, she was best friends with the wife of the future president of the United States. Um, uh, her best friend is Marla Maples. I, I saw. Oh. I, I went down the the old Twitter rabbit hole for uh, Miss Hamilton, who's uh, Luan Gideon. For, but what you know, other than being um, uh, you know a, a buddy of the Trumps, you know what Luan Gideon is most famous for? No, she's uh, Mr. Belling's wife. Oh, wow! Wow, so few degrees of separation. Yes, Mr. Belling's wife, Miss Hamilton. Um and uh, yeah and uh, uh, Brian Cranston officiated her funeral so she was really uh, like high society oh wow um so Keeve is the show going for a uh, graduate theme here with this yeah that's what people see I again I've never seen the graduate I know that uh you know obviates me from being able to like uh, say anything good about the show people say that you know if I don't know eighties movies I can't have an opinion on Seinfeld people have been writing that yeah but the well, how the, about sixties um, movies. I don't know any movie before 1993, but I, I, you know, people say that the graduate themes are pretty heavy here. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think I think I've seen the graduate. I just don't remember it. Honestly, uh, I've definitely seen parts of it, but I don't know if there's any lines that are uh, borrowed from this. Like certainly like uh, themes are borrowed, but uh, I don't know if they borrow. And, and I'm sure the commenters will tell us if we are wrong on any of this. Mm, no doubt. Yes. Okay. So she lost her spot on the speed dial. Why does her stepmother want to be on her speed dial so badly? It's a weird relationship between. Is it a euphemism? Is the speed dial a full euphemism for wanting to have a relationship with Jerry? Um, I mean, it's not a euphemism because it is like quite literal in the episode. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean, though? I mean, like she doesn't actually care about the speed dial. She wants to be his number one lady. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, really just taken aback right now as uh, the window to my podcast studio. Uh, I am watching as uh, somebody is like trimming uh, giant tree branches. Uh, it's, it's a very surreal. Well, I'm hoping that somebody's not climbing up here to kill me here on the second floor. But I'm watching. Uh, I was thinking, but I, I know you're think you're hoping that someone isn't climbing up to kill you. But I was actually thinking today, like if I have anyone, if there's anyone who listens to the podcast, but like really hates me. 
I'm like, hey, yeah. listens, if you were ever planning on murdering me, just please do it like this weekend before I have like 14 of my wife's family members come for the next two weeks for the holiday. I, seriously, yeah. like, don't kill me. But if you were going to do it now. Yeah. Keith, this is but really guy this, in Rob's bushes. Don't sorry, kill no, him. this is really terrifying. I'm, I'm watching like this, like giant tool come up from the ground and is like pulling these tree branches with like this hook on it. Is the person elevated? Because you're yeah. on a higher floor, right? No, yeah, I don't know. What, no, I think they're like operating some sort of a stick from the ground. Is um, it your? Is it your tree branch? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if uh, this is something something that my um, that my wife employs or uh, this is a mm. neighbor's. Uh, but, uh, you know, at some, they might just cut down the, the electrical cable and I could just be done for here either way. OK, so if this podcast ends, people will know what happened. You'll know what happened. All right. Let's go back to uh, George talking with Steinbrenner about uh, that little stunt he pulled. And in true Steinbrenner fashion, um, he likes that kind of thinking. Yes, yeah, it's, it, it's just so hard for him to get fired again. It's not clear why George just can't quit. But, uh, yeah, Steinbrenner alternates between loving george and not really knowing who he is yeah and stonebrenner is we said last week was as dumb as he's ever been he might even be dumber in this episode yes he says uh we gotta look to the future we gotta tear down the past babe ruth was nothing more than a fat old man with little girl legs what yeah found that he wasn't even a sultan <laughs> yeah and he's wearing lou gehrig's pants yeah. Um, well, I, and the, the Garrett's pants line is is pretty questionable. Yes. Uh, the part where he says, you don't think that nerve disease of his was contagious, do you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's funny, but like catching ALS is kind of an insane insensitive, insensitive. Yes. Uh, big Stein. Don't like that. OK, so Jerry is talking with Valerie about the speed dial and he brings it up and she instantly knows my stepmother got to you. Again, the relationship between Valerie and the stepmother is like quite contentious, yet she it's very important to her to be high up on the speed dial. It's it's just like I don't necessarily know what the association is like. Not only does is she jealous of Jerry that he's higher on the speed dial. She also wants Jerry and is interested in him because that he's on Valerie's speed dial. But she's also very concerned about like it's almost like she's like. She's battling with Jerry for position on the speed dial, but then she also is very concerned with adding Jerry to her own speed dial. Yeah, she wants to win every speed dial battle, it seems like. Yeah. If anything, you would think that she would come in and she would be interested in sort of like making Jerry look bad in front of Valerie to regain her position in. Right. That would make more sense. That probably would have made more sense. But if she like if she called up and said, hey, Jerry came here to seduce me. That would maybe would have knocked Jerry off the speed dial altogether, but she doesn't do that. Right. It doesn't seem like it's all a big play to sort of like t- take Jerry down in her speed dial rankings. So we sort of like uh, really mixed and matched up the two things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Valerie says uh, stepmom is off the speed dial altogether. I mean, I also for a stepmom to need to be number one, that's a little bit like Cinderella stepmom ish. Yeah. Where's her real mom? I guess she's not with us anymore. Oh, man. This is a dark story. Yeah, it is sad. Or it's even I think like the mom being dead is less dark than like the stepmom being higher than the mom on the speed dial, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, that's even darker. Yes. uh, My mom is is uh, 11 on speed dial. My real. Right. No, that right. I'd rather be zero than 11. Right. All right. So we go back to Kramer and Newman. Uh, They are planning out the Newmanium party. And so Kramer gets the invitation. Newman says, uh, damn, the mail is slow. Now, did Newman intend for Kramer to not get his invitation for a while? 
I don't think was so. Was he throwing oh, the mail under strategic? the bus? Yeah, it could be strategic. You're right. But Newman, does Newman know about Kramer's party? Maybe, maybe he didn't even know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Newman is very quick to defend. I have done nothing unethical. Um, and uh, they say that they're going back and forth over who started planning first. Newman says he started planning this in 1978 when he put a deposit down on the revolving restaurant that overlooks Times Square. And he booked Christopher Cross. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be an expensive party. Well, is it in 1978 dollars? And was the uh, bill due in the year 2000? I mean, if you put down like uh, like a deposit like of $100 in 1978 and then had like the balance due the night of the party, you probably got a great deal. Yeah, I mean, anytime you could pay for something 30 years in advance, like Chester was telling me his wife's parents paid for a college like the day she was born. Okay. That in like university in Detroit, I guess, in, in Michigan, you could like pay for University of Michigan or maybe also Michigan State like as a baby. So they paid like two grand when it was probably like 30 grand by the time she was old enough to go. Yeah, it's sort of like buying so a she house. had to go. You know, it was it's free. like, oh, I, like uh, yes. my grandparents bought this house. With no for, mortgage. Buying a house with no mortgage. Yeah, yeah. I bought this house for ten thousand dollars. And now it's, you know, uh, that and now it's worth this. So if you if Newman paid for this party in 1978, then, you know, the value is, uh, you know, much, much higher in the year uh, 1999. Yeah, but what about Christopher Cross? Did he pay him in 1978? Uh, they might have negotiated his fee. Was he big in 78? I think he's probably ironically, I think it cost more to get him in 1978 than it did in 1999. He might have gotten burned then. Yeah. Uh, no, I think Christopher Cross made out better in the deal. I think that probably if you booked him for like $2,000 in 1978. I think you probably would have booked him for $1,000 in 1999. Yeah, it looks like he was an opener in 1990, whereas in 1981, he was like the number one guy. <laughs> yeah. But Newman was on top of him in 78. He had to feel good. Yeah, Newman is he's a trendsetter. He's always up on <laughs> up on the newest musical act. Yeah, I feel like that Christopher Cross, uh, I feel like that his uh, two hits, uh, I think, are Sailing and uh, uh, the uh arthur's theme uh when you get caught between the moon and new york city um so he had a big album in 79 and then uh then he made a couple of other albums but um yeah he did the uh i'm sorry the yeah the arthur's theme arthur's theme uh the best that you can do from 1981 not i'm not super familiar yeah <laughs> uh yes yeah, sailing uh, and I think he had maybe uh, a couple other. Hits. Is that come sail away? No, that's sticks. no sail. Uh, it goes sailing. <laughs> that's Christopher Cross. But uh, yeah, Newman was way ahead of the game. He booked him before uh, he got his big hits. Maybe he booked the party, but then got Christopher Cross after. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could have happened in the interim years for sure. Yeah. Um, sailing hit number one on both the U.S. and Canada charts. Oh, if you chart in Canada, you're big. Yeah. And also the Arthur's theme uh, also hit number one in uh, 1981. Those were his two number one hits. I don't remember Arthur having a theme. Uh, what, you don't remember the uh, when you get caught between the moon and New York City? That that's the... oh, I meant like the T the TV show Arthur. I don't I didn't What's remember the that TV thing. show Arthur. Have you ever hit like I thought you have kids. They don't still show Arthur. Oh, no, they don't watch that. It's like he's a rat or a mouse. Yeah, something like that. No, they you don't, don't know Arthur? They don't watch that one. Luckily, okay. that's one. That's one that we don't have to sit through. What's big right now? Paw Patrol? Is that big? Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's pretty good. That's 
that's a, that's a good one. My son would get like a Peppa Pig tattoo if, if he could. That's his number one. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's big at my house also. My, my my older son was like doubled over in a Pe- Peppa Pig episode uh, the other day. He was like, uh, that was some, something happened, and he was like, she's very, the problem is she's disrespectful. It's like, do you ever have like you hear someone's parents say like can't watch the Simpsons because like Bart calls Homer Homer and he's not respectful to his parents. Mm-hmm. Peppa Pig, like the dad is such a blithering idiot. These kids are going to grow up thinking that we're so dumb. Yeah. The dad is the butt of every joke. A lot of fat shaming of uh, daddy pig also. Yeah. Well, I don't think in England there is such a thing as fat shaming. You're allowed to fat shame. Oh, okay. So well, that's... I made that up. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> okay. All right. Kramer has even started buying ice for the Millennium Party. You can never have enough cubed ice. Yeah. I didn't know it was such a commodity, but they're all into the ice. It was. Um, but Newman has one big rule that he wants the next millennium to be Jerry free. Jerry is not invited to the party. They're talking about sharing a party. That's fine. He wants Elaine to be there, but Jerry is not invited. I mean, I, I think it's like the New Year's resolution is a big deal, right? Sure. But the new like the new millennium resolution, like new century is probably like a big resolution. But you don't get a resolution bigger than like you can't just like go on a diet or a cut off soda for, you know, or, or like start exercising at the gym. For a new millennium, you have to like totally change your personality, get like, you know, a face transplant. You got to you gotta go big. You have face to go big. Transplant. You, know, you have to do something big. You can't just be can't just going to, you know, be I'm going to read like three books for, you know, in January. So I'm trying to think if I had any new millennium resolutions. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have had. I was 16. So my only resolution would have been like talk to a girl for the first yeah, time. I think maybe uh, stop being a virgin, I think, was uh, <laughs> part of my new millennium resolutions. Well, I mean, it happened in the in the new millennium, so it definitely worked for you. Yeah. So I guess I well, you gave yourself 100 me. years there. Wait, hold on. If I'm, try, I'm trying makes... to think if I uh, if that by the Jerry technical uh, millennium rules, if uh, if the resolution worked out. Or not. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll do the I'll do that math after the podcast. All right. So Jerry and George are talking and George is getting into uh, he's getting down on himself because he can't get fired. Yeah, I mean, it's it, George is like the ultimate. He's been fired a bunch of times already. So for George not to get fired, it's almost like Bizarro George. Yeah, he's feeling like a failure because he can't fail. Jerry's giving him a pep talk about you suck. I have no confidence in you. Uh, so it's it's funny. No, it definitely is funny. Like, trust me, you you are terrible. You should get fired. <laughs> right. All right. Elaine uh, heads down to Cinco de Mayo and she's talking about how we could put Putumayo out of business. And then here comes the woman who owns both the stores. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I don't think I've ever been less invested in a Seinfeld story. Than yeah, this, this, than this uh, subplot. Putumayo, Cinco de Mayo, uh, it's rough. You can tell that they, they realized it because in the deleted scenes, there's two deleted scenes that sort of advanced the story that were cut. Yeah, they, and they, they probably cut. tried to cut even more. And they just I mean, they could have cut basically all of them because. Other than the Kramer scene at the end, like there's no crossover between that and the other scene. Yeah. Christopher crossover. I like Elaine tells uh, the woman, uh, this really sticks in my craw. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know what a craw is, but <laughs> who has a, some animal has a craw, I guess. Right. Yeah. I think it's like a beak. It is. It's a bigger beak, I think. Yeah. All right. So Jerry is at Mrs. Hamilton's apartment and I think he was expecting Valerie. Uh, she's not coming. And uh, this is where we are getting uh, full graduate stuff. Yeah. I, the correction, I believe the craw is a stomach, not a beak. Okay. Uh, I like how Mrs. Hamilton refers to Jerry only as Jerome. Do they call her Miss Hamilton, by the way? And if so, does that mean she's not married? Hmm. Like how and how is then how is she then like her stepmom? I am seeing her uh, on SeinfeldScripts.com as Mrs. Hamilton. 
Oh, okay. I mean, I feel like that the graduate was Mrs. Robinson. Right, so Mrs. Like, Robinson. You're probably right. I, I I thought he called her Miss, but you're probably right. So, yeah. So I think it's uh, Mrs. Hamilton. Uh, she has a naughty idea, she tells him. Why don't I put you on my speed dial? Yeah, I can't think of anything naughtier than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how's number three sound? Well, I mean, who's above him? I mean, I guess Valerie and, Mr. Her, and Valerie's dad. Yeah. Mr. Hamilton. <laughs> Wait, is, is Valerie's last name Hamilton or is it like she kept her maiden name? Um. I am not sure. It's very hard. Like I, I don't envy women with like this. I don't envy the divorced women who now have three last names to choose from. You know, mm-hmm. like your maiden name, your um, you, like the name you might have had for like twenty years that also is the name your kids share, mm-hmm. and then like your second husband's name. Yeah, and you could do what my mother-in-law does and have all three names and look like a crazy person, but. The, you know, I don't envy women who have that. The way that Jerry is referring to her as Mrs. Hamilton, I think that we should be believing that Valerie's last name is also Hamilton. He's like referring to her as if she was like a mom. Like it'd be weird to call her Mrs. Hamilton. And like, I, that why not call her like, you know, Barbara or whatever her name is? A lot of paperwork also to switch your name. I would never do it. Yeah. All right. So, um, Jerry is uh, saying, you know, this isn't right. And uh, he ultimately ends up uh, leaving. Okay, so we go back to Kramer and uh, he's like in bed and he's like having a nightmare and he wakes up screaming about the pneumonium. He looks over. He has a picture of Jerry, but Keeve, the picture he's looking at of Jerry, like wistfully is a picture of Jerry and Kramer at a New Year's party. Is there like some sort of reason like do Kramer and Jerry spend every New Year's together? Well, I think part of it is like, does he wake up and think like, wait, did I miss New Year's already? Really? That's he thinks he's been asleep for three years. Something like that. Doesn't he like wake up and look confused for a second? I mean, he looks like he was having a nightmare and he wakes up and he screams pneumonium. Because doesn't he say like it's 2000 or something like that also? Uh, maybe he, I think he was dreaming about the party, but I don't think he like it thinks he is in the year 2000. There's a similar bit. Did you see the last few episodes of Review? The, the short final no, season no, I haven't Review? watched it yet. Yeah, so there's a similar bit in there. I won't ruin it since you haven't watched it, but it's good. You should check it out. I will. I have it on the DVR. I set the season pass. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that like it's we're talking about Jerry not being at a New Year's party. Like, why does the picture have to be of Jerry and Kramer at a New Year's party? I guess it's just like a little Easter egg. Like it could have been New Year's 1995. Okay. But why does the the one picture that Kramer has of Jerry happen to be at a New Year's party? I mean, how often are they like they're not going to just take a picture while like they're sitting around watching a Nick game on a Wednesday night. So how often are they going to parties? It's um, at least a one in three hundred sixty five chance. But I, realistically, you know, one they in go 20, to a lot of parties, Keith. They do go to a lot of parties with with some randos. But, okay. you know, it's it's not the craziest. Is it the craziest thing that's ever happened no. in the show? Probably not. No. All right. So Jerry's at his house. He's watching the Yankee game. They talk about a streaker who has run out onto the field. Uh, it turns out that he's actually in a flesh colored body stocking. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, clearly that was a bad move. If you go like fully nude, you get arrested and they probably have to fire him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was bashful. He didn't want to be nude at the game. So, yeah, the um, they really uh, do uh, love bodysuit man. Yeah, that could be a thing. It was like Green Man before Green Man before was before Green Man. That's right. All right. So Elaine comes in and they turn off the TV, they turn off the game, and uh, she really needs to get back at Cinco de Mayo. They need to have a plan. Yeah, I mean, no one else really cares about it. Like they even know Elaine's story is boring. Yeah. All right. So they're going to end up recruiting 
uh, Kramer to come into this. Yeah, Kramer's up for a caper. Yeah. So she recruits Kramer. Do you still have that pricing gun? Why does Kramer own a pricing gun? I mean, I feel like he traded it like he gave back Bob Sacramento like a pillow and, and <laughs> Bob Sacramento gave him like a half broken pricing gun. OK, so they're going to go and put uh, Putumayo out of business. They're going to have a sale of the century. I mean, as people point out, I'm not sure this is going to work, even if he doesn't break the gun. Yeah especially with the store owner uh like maybe there's like some kid behind the counter but the woman who yeah. owns both the stores is gonna say wait is that's, watching him yeah that, and it's a tiny store that's like, not she has 99 no cents right right she's not gonna be like ooh, like i'm about to make a thousand dollars like uh and they hand her a quarter and she's like okay right so then uh we start to get on a three-way phone conversation uh we do uh, a very similar bit to like what we were doing um certainly when uh we have uh, jerry and george are outed with the reporter have we done this other times with call waiting uh sort of the edit that they do yeah we've done it with elaine um i think this is at least the four, like the third or fourth time we've seen this okay so here we go back and forth where Valerie, she was at her stepmom's house. Uh, she saw Jerry was on her speed dial. She just wanted to keep tabs. Uh, then Mrs. Hamilton is calling. He's got Valerie on the line. I mean, there's no sort of like cross up here. I, I don't really know if this was uh, one of the more effective times that we're doing this. I agree. It, it, it's just a weird waste of a scene. Did this happen in The Graduate? I think it probably did, too. I don't think that there was call waiting in The Graduate from 1967. No? Could there have been, like, hold or something? I don't know. I mean, I don't think that this is a uh, graduate parody. Maybe somebody else can correct me on that. There's also a point where Jerry thinks he's talking to uh, the other person, but he doesn't say anything. Yeah, that's one of the big nightmares. That's why call waiting never really made it, because, like, you never know who you're talking to. Yeah, he doesn't say anything incriminating this time. Uh, we had the two line phone where ultimately you could hear both sides of the conversation uh, where that yeah. screwed them up in the past. What about the party calls? Like millennials will never understand that. But you could hear like a random person. Like I remember I heard my neighbor ordering Chinese food once on a party call. Yeah. It, and and I said it in front. I feel of, like they still have this. They still have party calls. I don't know. I don't use the phone. So <laughs> I would never know. I think that these are still happening because I heard someone use Chinese and they were like very sensitive about eating. I mentioned it like in front of them and my mom and she was like, I never did that, even though I like I clearly heard her order the Chinese food on the phone. Yeah, maybe somebody can update that uh, if uh, that this is something that's still going on uh, somewhere. Maybe Tinder put them out of business or something like that. But anyway, what, party lines. Yeah, I think yeah, there's still maybe. a lot of like things on TV like late at night where they're like, uh, call this number, talk to people. Yeah, no, but wait. So we're confusing party lines to me. Party line is like when you get the lines crossed. Oh, like and, and not something that you want to do? No, no. Party line is like when you have like a second phone call. See, that's probably why we weren't on the same page. Well, how, how is that the, a party? It's just called a party line. Okay. So what about when they's like in politics? We're talking about like, oh, he's sticking with the party line. Is that the same? That's thing? different, I think. Wow, so many party lines. Yeah, it's like the, the wires get crossed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I've heard of wires get crossed, but I've never heard that called a party line before. I think it's called the party. And again, it's been like 20 years. Again, someone uh, who knows more than us, which is literally anybody, uh, write in and, and tell us who's wrong. <laughs> okay. So uh, after uh, we get through this, then fine. Uh, you know, uh, Mrs. Hamilton is going to hide Jerry in one of the emergency slots. Yeah, I, which I feel like is, uh, you know, like the ultimate like Chekhov's emergency slot, right? There's a 100% chance 
that emergency slot is going to be used the second you hear that. No, I see. I forgot about the, that gag. So I was like, oh, OK, I thought that was like a funny line, but I forgot that it was going to. Uh... No, that would really be like. Yeah. 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 That has to lead somewhere. Okay. So um, then uh, they're going to like they're going to work this out. OK. And uh, we go back to Yankee Stadium and uh, George is uh, calling up Jerry and uh, that he can't get fired. And people are like uh, really adoring bodysuit man. Yeah, he could really he really should stay with the Yankees at this point. He should take it as a sign that he's going to become a celebrity. Yeah. Bodysuit man uh, could have been a big thing. And also, a job you can't get fired from, I feel like is pretty valuable. Yeah, I think that he should have uh, really made sure that uh, he did nothing to jeopardize this. Right. No, he's in, at this point. Cut your losses, Georgie. OK. All right. So now we go back to Putumayo with Kramer and uh, he comes in as H.E. Pennypacker. Um, well, where have we seen Penny Packer once before? Was he? At I think the doctor's this is the office? second Penny Packer. Okay. Yes. So yeah, the doctor's obviously was Penny Packer. Yeah. Both times the Penny Packer character comes out of a scam with Elaine. Yeah. And also, I like that he leads with a wealthy industrialist always. Yes. Like, um, who calls and, himself wealthy? <laughs> and he's going to open a silver mine in the mountains of Peru. I, I like that that's like something that you would like open like it's a uh, a TGI Fridays. Yes, yeah, a chain of silver in, in uh, <laughs> Lima, Peru. Yeah, and they have a bowl of uh, chips there in the store. Now, I don't think that we had the chips out at any of the other previous Putumayo or Cinco de Mayo scenes. I agree. This is must be like Chip Wednesday or something. Yeah, Chekhov's chips. And so he's uh, walking around. And he's just like, so what was the plan? That he was going to take every single article of clothing into the fitting room and then change the price tag? By the way, I think I, I think it was Dr. Von, Martin von Nostrand, not Penny Packer in the uh, when when he was trying to. Okay. Um, but it's the same sort of know, outfit. In the yeah, he does the same. Sa- same idea. But yeah, it's Penny. I think Penny Packer's here in Puerto Rican Day Parade when they're going to the apartment. OK. All right. So we uh, see that he's like uh, trying to get the gun out, but he steps on it and uh, we'll come back to him in a little bit. George is now driving around doing donuts in the Yankee Stadium parking lot, and he's yelling, uh, Steinbrenner, front office morons, your triumphs mean nothing, you stink, you can sit on it and rotate, uh, and uh, <laughs> he's giving out his phone extension. Um, yeah, I, to me, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, was this the worst of all the things he did? I Taking the trophy... And ruining it is bad, but the trophy is easier to replace than the Babe Ruth jersey, oh, which okay. is one of a kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the trophy can be rebuilt and it's not worth a hundred grand or whatever the Babe Ruth jersey mm-hmm. is worth. But it's an insult. But I think what the it means. Ruth jersey, like, I mean, I guess you could put it in the wash and get that stain out, the Ruth one, but still. Yeah. Um, you can't like say like, oh, it's blood. But this is this is bad. I mean, this is like beyond fireable. Like Major League Baseball wouldn't even let him work anymore they would be like he's you know he, he has to be blackballed from the like he couldn't work for the yankees or the Mets at this point <laughs> all right so here comes elaine she comes and finds uh, kramer in the fitting room and he tells her how he broke the price gun and uh, he says no but i moved on to plan b i took all of these packets out of the clothes Keeve, uh do you get a lot of these packets in the clothes I don't. I, I didn't even know they existed. The desiccates he talks about, right? Yeah, no, they're in everything. I, I didn't know they existed. They're in everything. And other than seeing this episode, I, I had no idea. Yeah, well, that uh, you don't do a lot of clothes shopping. No, although I just got my uh, brand new RHAP shirt. Does that have desiccates no, in it? No, if, I don't think they throw one of those in there. 
oh well then it's forget it it's gonna be gone in five years it's you're gonna be able to tell that it's, it's wasting it <laughs> yeah i think a lot of times like uh you know you buy like a pair of shoes also uh these are in there yeah i would say it, might, it wasn't like the proudest moment of my wife's life when she saw i got like an RHP shirt and a, a doughboy shirt yeah in, like the same order wow and she's and she was like uh you know, like what, are, what what have I done with my life? Basically, yeah. that I'm married to this loser who like just listens to podcasts all day. Hey, isn't it an upgrade from like the um, you know uh, bar mitzvah shirts that you have? Probably. Why do you assume I just wear bar mitzvah shirts? But, I mean, I feel like that the only other time we talked about <laughs> what shirt you were wearing in the history of the podcast was you were talking about how you were wearing a um, somebody's bar mitzvah shirt that you got in like uh, 1996. Oh, with the lucky with the with the with the yellow shirt when Jerry wears the yellow shirt. <laughs> yeah, that might have been. And I was also that wasn't a bar mitzvah i think it was um my my wife's like it was my wife that was my wife's t-shirt actually they it was uh we cleaned up the mess i guess we they like, cleaned up the mess they, they clean up the school and if they clean up the school they got a prize or something yeah and it was from like 1990 something yeah. yeah so that's good that's good callback by you yeah I but it's been i didn't remember what it was but there's so many of those like bar mitzvah shirts of like, oh, well, uh, sure. like the we shirt partied now, all night at uh oh totally yeah a hundred percent but i don't have, still have those shirts but yes you definitely and the yarmulkes also like every yarmulke i wore for like 10 years afterwards because every bar mitzvah you go to you get a yarmulke right right the, not only that so many of my shirts are just like free shirts the shirt i'm wearing now i got as i like walked into my college dorm in in 2004 or whatever right the they you know they're like orientation for my college and it's you know right. like what do you do with all those later. bar mitzvah shirts and stuff that you get at these parties where it's like a personalized thing about the party like you can't wear them anywhere i think you could you could wear like zach's bar mitzvah you could wear that out like if you're playing ball or something you could that could be your t-shirt i guess so i mean you can't i don't know if you could wear that to work but it's a t-shirt anyway what are you gonna do with it mm-hmm. yeah uh, but i mean th- that doesn't you know i was 13 like those shirts don't fit me anymore anyway <laughs> All right. So uh, Kramer's trying to explain the beauty of this plan that uh, without these uh, packets, then uh, these clothes are going to be moth written and musty and uh, they won't absorb the moisture anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I do like that Kramer's playing the long game here. Like Kramer's very, you know, future focused in this episode between the party and two years. Yeah. You know, the prank that won't that won't happen until five years from now, at least. Yeah. Okay. so. We see George back in Steinbrenner's office. Steinbrenner has had it. Um, he saw what, you, what George did. And uh, I like that he says, uh, I can't believe that you, bodysuit man, could perpetrate such a disloyalty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that really uh, tickled me. And then Mr. Wilhelm comes in. He says, don't blame George. I did it. Uh, and Steinbrenner says, uh, what's the matter, Wilhelm? Are you popping pills? You got the crazies again? Yeah. It, by the way, classic of Mets to hire a guy who's completely losing his mind at the very end of his like, you know, normal life. Yes. Uh, Wilhelm ordered George to do those things. And uh, Wilhelm says that he was just being loyal. And so Wilhelm gets fired. Do You think Wilhelm ends up being the guy who tells like Fred Wilpon to invest in Bernie Madoff? Uh, I think he tells him to invest in Bernie Madoff. I think that he is also the guy who ends up saying like, uh, hey, I'll tell you what, this Scott Casimir, he's no good. You, you, yeah. Victor Zambrano, baby. Yeah, he's the future. He is the future. <laughs> Scott Casimir is damaged good. He will Rick never Peterson, last. He can turn, around. He can turn, <laughs> he can turn uh, Zambrano around in 10 minutes. Rick Peterson will fix him quickly. 
Uh, I think he walks into Steve Phillips' office. He says, uh, I've got two words for you. Mel Rojas. <laughs> he is the closer of the future. Yeah. He also bought Peterson that stupid jacket he always wore and yeah. told him it looked really snazzy. I think he walks into Steve Phillips' office and says, look, hear me out on this. Bobby Bonilla reunion. What do you think? <laughs> it's like we could pay Bonilla twelve billion dollars over two years, or listen for it, guys. Well, that's a, the, we give that was the buyout. That was after they already had yeah. him. That wasn't like the original right. we, contract. Or we could or we could buy up Bonilla for a million and a half dollars every year. You know, <laughs> until long after we're all gone. All right. So uh, Wilhelm is now the director of scouting for the Mets. I mean, again, two people who have we don't really know Wilhelm's official job. Maybe he's the traveling secretary or he's the head of some sort of department. But the Mets are really bottom feeding here. Yeah. Um, You know, just to go double back. uh, So Kramer goes to get a chip at the store and the desiccate pack goes into the salsa and Valerie and her stepmom are there. And Valerie's uh, stepmom, Mrs. Hamilton, eats one of the chips. Uh, Yes. With the desiccate in it. Correct. Yeah. A uh, very, very sad uh, story there. So we go back to Kramer and Jerry and Kramer is complaining about Elaine. Uh, she doesn't see the beauty of his plan. Jerry says she never sees the big picture. Um, here comes Newman and Newman is uh, saying, why did Elaine cancel for my millennium party? Right. His whole his whole plan was to make out with Elaine at midnight at, at the millennium. Right. And I like that Kramer tells him that, uh, well, I guess that Elaine, uh, she won't be going to your party. You'll be caught in between the moon and New York City without somebody to kiss. And that's the, that's a song lyric? That's from the Christopher Cross uh, Arthur theme, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is a funny callback, too, that Christopher Cross was the musical guest at Newman's party. Okay. Um, so... Framer says, you know, Jerry needs to come. And I like that Newman, like with disdain, it's like, you don't want to do your act or anything, do you? It's pretty funny, like as if a comedian would ever come and like do their act for free. Can I make an uh, admission now? And people will. <laughs> OK, will be horrified until like this time, like the millionth time I've seen this millennium episode. And now we're talking about it. I didn't know that there was a difference between Christopher Cross, C.H., and the hip hop duo from the 90s, Criss Cross. <laughs> I thought they were the same. I didn't know Christopher Crowe. Like, that doesn't sound like a singer-songwriter guy from the 70s. <laughs> I truly had no idea they were different people. And that I just thought they were both Criss Cross, like the rapper group. So I thought Kramer, But they refer to him as like Christopher different. Cross. I know. So now, like, I never thought about it. But now, like, I just figured Criss Cross was short for Christopher. Why did you think that guys. Newman wanted those uh, two guys to be uh, singing Jump at his uh, Millennium Park? Well, that's a much better song for like 1158 than uh, <laughs> but he I was in the party Albany in 1978. Right, that didn't yet. make sense to me. But again, I when I watch the show normally, I'm just laughing. I'm not like, you know, nerdily going through. <laughs> they probably were born. They're probably like two years old. <laughs> no yeah you're probably right that's why it didn't make sense to me and i've sort of been googling and i've come to the conclusion that there's two different crisscrosses that's funny <laughs> yeah. all right so all right so they make a deal and uh jerry uh, you know this is this conversation we talked about earlier oh did you book the party for uh 1999 because if you booked it for then this is uh not the millennium and your party will be lame yeah, I, I mean, and Newman's like so taken aback by this and like assumes that he's right yeah. without fighting back on it. If Newman booked a party for 1231 1999, 
It's not a lame party. No, I agree. This is going to be the coolest party Newman's ever thrown. And you can call it the Millennium Party, and nobody and nobody will care. Uh, no, it's in a rotating care. restaurant. It's good. So I don't know why. I, I never from when this episode came on. I'm like, well, well, well. Uh, okay, sure. Is that a, like they treat it like it's like such a sick burn? Like the party is ruined. Yeah, I do think that there was the type of person who was saying stuff like this. So we're we're maybe underselling them. Okay. All right. And then uh, we go back to a tag and uh, we see Mrs. Hamilton. She looks very sick. She says she feels all dried out inside. Uh, she calls up uh, poison control. Valerie does. And uh, we get Jerry. Who is this? And uh, explains that uh, it's Jerry. Yeah. Why does she take this out on Jerry and not on 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 Miss Hamilton? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jerry's acting like, wow, poison control. That's even higher than number one. I don't know if it is. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. That's like that's like your side piece that you're trying to hide. Okay, Keith, what happens to Mrs. Hamilton? I think she survives. I, I don't want to assume, assume that she just dies. I feel like it would have come up if she died. What happens if you ingest uh, desiccates? Mm, let's see. Uh, let's see. Silica gel. What happens if you eat it? Um, if there's one thing that people know about silica gel, uh, you're not supposed to eat it. Um, <laughs> so what happens if you eat it? Nothing. Silica gel is a form of the naturally occurring mineral silicon dioxide, better known in its granular form as sand or in crystals as quartz. Uh, the notable trait is its porousness, which allows it to absorb up to 40% of its weight in water. So I guess nothing. One thing that I forgot and now have remembered as I have two little kids again and that you probably know is like half of parenting is like getting your kids not to eat poisonous and things they're not allowed to eat, right? Right. Well, I, we have so a lot little of boys especially love putting just like coins and random like terrible things in their mouth. Yeah. Um, and also you have like the bigger one probably tries to feed or maybe not now, but when he was a little younger, like tries to feed the little one like terrible thing. No, but he has like my older one is obsessed with like Legos. There's a million like tiny little Lego pieces around. And then mm-hmm. the baby is uh, yeah. definitely one. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a disaster. It's tricky. All right, Keith, let's talk big picture on the millennium. Okay, okay. Uh, Jerry and his storyline with the speed dial. I think it's totally fine. I, I think it could have been much better. I give it a B. Yeah, uh, I have no issue with that. It is a, a funny idea, uh, one that has not held up well, though, with the test of time. Uh, no, again, could have been better. Yeah, okay. Then we have George trying to get fired from the Yankees. Are you going to dock him because of the Babe Ruth thing? No, I think to me, this is an A. Yeah, I think it's an A also. Uh, it's very funny. In another storyline, it would have been like a Hall of Fame beer because there's no like one classic joke, but it's every single scene is pretty funny. So if this was like the B story in like the second best story, or third best story in an episode, it would be a classic episode. OK, uh, what about Kramer and the Millennium New Year's? Again, I remember being really excited. I think they were like playing up the Millennium stuff all week uh, in the commercials. And it was just like a cool idea. Probably a better idea than execution, but it was fine. I give it a B. Yeah, uh, I'll give it a C minus. I, I feel like that this story really doesn't do very much for me. Mm. The ending. Yeah, I think I think in its time it was it was like really interesting, but in, it, it just loses so much in, um, you know, twenty five years later. OK. And what about Elaine with the Cinco de Mayo, Puto Mayo? Uh, one of the worst storylines in season one. I, I give it, a, a, a you know, an F plus. F plus. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably a little hard. Uh, I, I think I would it say. Just, I mean, the truth is, it's not aggressively bad. It just does nothing. Yeah, I'll say it's a C minus. I'm I, okay. like, I don't hate it, but it's just like uh, very forgettable. 
yeah, again, there's nothing aggressively bad in this episode. Um, even though I'm giving this an F, it's just that it didn't hit at all for me. All right, Keith. So in your overall rankings, uh, where do we go? I think we're still in the top 100. Uh, I'll say you gave this uh, 92. No, I'm a little higher just because I think the George stuff is really good. So I have it at 73. 73. Okay. 73 for the millennium. Okay. Uh, let's get into some of the questions uh, from the listeners uh, that we did not already cover. Yeah, we covered a lot of them. Okay. So let's check in with Johnny DeSilvera, who wants to know, what's the equivalent of being on the speed dial after two dates in today's world? I can't even say. There's a family show. Whoa. <laughs> no, I don't know. I really don't know. I, it's a good, it's actually a good question. Um, I, what, I don't know. Like, what's the tech? You update your Facebook picture to a picture with them in it. That would be a big deal. What about, uh, here? this is not a 2017 answer. But what about you add them to your MySpace top eight? That's well, a very that would have been yeah, that would have been a 2007 answer. Yeah, that for sure. That would have been a big deal. Make them in your top eight. Yeah. Um, were you a big MySpacer ever? Yeah, yeah. I, I was decent on the MySpace. Yeah, I was more of a MySpace lurker. I don't think I ever had a lurker. picture up or anything. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, my boss at the time used to be like, like, oh, well, how come you didn't put me in your top eight? No. Well, first of all, you should have. You didn't even after he asked. Uh, I think I, I, I. I did not like that, I, that he was sort of like forcing my hand. Of like, That is why? weird, by the way. Uh, you know, MySpace would still be around. I just thought of a great idea for them. What's they that? still would have been around if they listened to this. Like you start with an eight, but you have to like, if you pay five bucks, you can add a ninth and so on. Like, Ooh. so because if you're like a girl and you have like 30 best friends and you only have eight spots, you don't want to offend anybody. You have to pay for the extra 22 spots, but it's an actual way for MySpace to get income. Yeah. Okay. They would have beaten Facebook if they just had Wienicker aboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to uh, Max the Millennial. What does he have to say? All right. So he starts off by bragging and says, weird to think that I was only two years old when the Millennium happened. Oh, big deal. Chris Cross was two when Newman booked them for a Millennium party. OK, you think you're so special? He, he wants to know if the speed dial plot is the most dated thing we've had so far. He's never had to deal with this as an 18 year old. When did the speed dial stop being a thing and then, you know, and we, it became contact numbers on a cell yeah, phone. When, when you had a cell phone, that's when it stopped being a thing. Yeah. I was just like, it's insane that anybody still has a house line. I know, I think you've said recently you have them. My, my parents still have them, but I can't even imagine, like, if I called them, no one would answer. Right, right. Uh, I would prefer to not have a house phone, but only because of reception issues. I have a uh, yeah. landline. But yeah, that, um, that with the proliferation of the cellular phone, the speed dial became uh, not a thing. Yeah. Uh, Dan, the benefactor, he has an idea. Uh, he says that brick and mortar stores who are trying to compete with Amazon should have complimentary chips and salsa for everyone coming to the store. He'd be significantly more likely to go in. I do think that is like you have all these stories like bookstores got killed. Clothing stores are next on the, you know, anytime I go back to my old hometown, like the gap is gone. The banana Republic's gone. Like these stores are definitely getting hit. Mm-hmm. A shoes just went bankrupt today. Like, I think that like ha- creating a better in-store experience definitely is is an answer to like ward off like the, you know, the Amazonification of the whole world. I do think it's a good idea by Dan. What about uh, in terms of like restaurants and eating establishments, Keeve? Are, are they bulletproof or do you think that uh, they also get hit by people? Yeah, it's uh, a really good question. I, I, I think right now they're more economy based, right? Like the, people say like, we haven't had a recession or anything in a long time, and people are expecting it to happen in the next couple of years. 
Um, I think restaurants are obviously not recession proof, but I, I don't think that they're tech. I think right now they're kind of technology proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've sort of been adapting, right, with the door dashes and the, right. and the caviars and whatever one Rob does. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's good business for them. Yeah. You do DoorDash. Yeah. They have robots now. Okay. Um, they don't they have robots on DoorDash? Yeah, they're starting with robots now. Okay. Uh, Caleb from Atlanta, why doesn't George just quit? Would he have uh, raised too many eyebrows? I think there's pr- probably would have some sort of non-compete or you can't like... The same way if you're a defensive line coach in the NFL and you want to be like a coordinator, you, you know, you, there's like tampering rules or, or defensive coordinator head coach. Like you have to do it. You have to get fired. And then and then you could. The problem is a lot of times people don't want to hire the fired person. So it hmm. might backfire on George anyway. OK. All right. Uh, let's go to now. Craig from Vancouver wants to know, uh, have either of you guys had a wow? Now that guy got canned moment. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen. Have I ever seen someone get fired? I don't. I can, I'm sure I'll think of it afterwards. I can't think of, I, I don't think I've ever, I've never been fired and I've, I don't think I've ever like seen someone get fired in a really juicy way. What about you? Hmm. I'm trying to think of something, somebody like walked off in like a really grand fashion. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, and I feel like firings now generally happen via email or something anyway. So there, there's probably, there's probably not as much drama. Okay. All right. Uh, but if but Pat asked if we want to get fired, how would we quit? How would you do that? It's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, there's a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of things you get fired for. It's like a slippery slope of like, oh, like, uh, you know, steal right. Plus, the money. you're your own boss. So it would be like, really, I don't know how you could get fired. Right. Right. Is I there, think there's you, no like RHAP board that could like replace you. Yeah. The, the board has uh, decided to oust the me. board. Of, can I be on the board of governors? Yes. Yes. Like gonna, the there's going to be a hostile. Board. There's going to be a coup. We're going to we're going to take over the podcast. Yeah. From from any job though, I think the only way to really get fired is from like is like uh, lack of performance. I feel like that um, if you just stink at the job, then they want to get rid of you. If you like did something like breaking the rules, I feel like there's like legal action. Yeah, I think what you should do is just stop showing up. Yeah, that's good too. Because like going there and and then being bad is like miserable. Mm-hmm. Just like stop going or like leave at two o'clock every day and then the get best of both worlds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about Kaya? Settle this debate between Lauren Graham on Seinfeld and Lauren Graham on Gilmore Girls. How do you pronounce Zagat Guide? Yeah, so I thought it was I thought it was Zagat like maggot, but it's Zagat. Zagat. But I guess she says it right on one of the shows and wrong. I think she says Zagat on on Seinfeld. So she so must say like differently Saget. on Gilmore Girls. Yeah, like it, it was Zagat or or maggot. Okay. Um, not Zagat. I don't think it was Rowan's with Zagat. Bernard Lagat, the uh, the runner. Nobody knows that. Okay. Um, I bet Scott St. Pierre does. Oh, yes. Scott definitely knows Bernard's the guy. Okay. Uh, what does Christine have to say? Uh, Newman claims he's been planning the New Year's party since 1979. How old is Newman? I mean, that's a good question, right? How old is Newman? I think he's probably about the same age as the core four now. I think he's a little older. Sometimes a guy who looks like Newman is like a little bit younger than he looks. But I, I, Newman, Wayne Knight probably is older than the gang to begin with, right? Hmm. Well, let's see. How old is Wayne Knight? Um, let's say Wayne Knight was born in 1955. IMDb took the years off, but then the a court made them put the years back on or something. So he's 55. I think Jerry's 59. So maybe he's a year or two older than most of them. Although I think Michael. Is so what do you have? Then. What year do you have him in? 55. 55. So he's 62 so he's, years old so now. Or turns uh, but, but Michael Richards is older. Michael Richards is actually a pretty old guy. Okay. So, I mean, this is a 20 year old TV show. So if he's 41, 
then um then that would make him 22 23 oh you mean the 70 yeah yeah sorry yeah. i thought you meant no, I'm, I'm, i could yeah. see it yeah no that makes sense yeah uh, i just never thought he's like sort of an ageless guy you don't think about how old newman is ever we never really discussed yeah him. people thought he was dead once he, he there's certain people that get all the death hoaxes mm-hmm. yeah I feel like that that's not uh, a thing anymore. I feel like for like a couple of years, there's like a no, lot of No, it still hoaxes. is. It's, it's been happening recently. I think Willie Nelson gets a lot of them on Twitter. Like there's certain people, because I, I get all the AP stories like across my desk. There is, I'd say like every month there is a celebrity death hoax. Okay. I thought it's I, still happening. Maybe that there's just too much other stuff going on in the news. That, yeah. It uh, doesn't even get, it doesn't even like get to, you know, especially when you follow 2,500 people on Twitter, they yeah. don't all come across your plate. Okay. All right, Keith. And then finally, Chester weighs in. He says, George becoming head of scouting for the Mets makes no sense. George isn't on the baseball op side of the Yankees. His experience is in managing travel arrangements. Why would the Mets possibly consider him for a scouting job? Of course, this is the same episode where Newman claims to have rented out a revolving restaurant on the 48th floor of the Marriott Marquis for the Newmanium. Renting that entire place out on any night of the week could cost many thousands of dollars. I cannot imagine the price for the Newmanium but it would be far out of Newman's budget. Chester, you're forgetting that he booked it in 1978 and he booked right. it at the 1978 price and brilliantly right. only put a and $100 even if he did it now, he'd probably book it for the government, like for the post office and make them pay for it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, just Let's just go back to what the Mets were thinking here. Keeve, mm-hmm. uh, we see the Mets have a very cloak and dagger meeting with George similarly we assume that they had the same meeting with wilhelm mm. what was the mets plan here and let's again i don't mean to make any assumptions by putting the word mets and plan in the same sentence to imply they right. had one but like what was the strategy here let's make an offer to both wilhelm and costanza and we'll take either one sort of like a like a dan quinn todd Bowles scenario that the jets had a couple of years ago yeah, how'd that work? I think here's what I think. They want the the Yankees are winning now, right? They want to know what's in the magic formula. But you're not gonna hire, you know, Stick Michaels or Brian Cashman at this point, right? They're too expensive and and you can't hire them away. So what you do is you you hire some like low level employee and you squeeze all the info out of them and then you get rid of them in a year or two. So they would have taken either one, like if George yeah, that's why they were fine with with whoever said yes first. George or Wilhelm. It's just we want someone from the Yankees to spill the beans on what they're doing. What's the secret sauce right now? Okay. All right. Um, Chester also says Kramer has a framed photo of him and Jerry on his nightstand. If you two had to put a framed photo of yourselves with a non-family member on your nightstand, who would it be? Mm, good question. You go first because I don't have an answer. Uh, I, I have a lot of pictures of me and Stephen Fishback from uh, doing... Well, so, right, the- it has to be a picture of, of you with the person. Yeah, yeah, a photo of yourself. There aren't a lot of pictures of me. That's I'm already like lowering. You know, I, like I was gonna say, like, can I Photoshop me with like Harambe or somebody? Harambe, someone, someone famous. I don't know. <laughs> and then, how would a pricing gun put a clothing store out of business? Uh, stores ring clothes via barcodes. Again, I don't know exactly uh, how uh, Putumayo is uh, conducting uh, transactions. Yeah, I don't know how Chester knows that, but I guess he's tried the scam before and he got busted. maybe, maybe. All right, Keeve, uh, what's the hashtag this week? Uh, maybe if you prefer Christopher Cross, the singer-songwriter, hashtag Christopher Cross with a C-H. Yes. And if you prefer the the hip-hop duo, uh, hashtag Criss Cross with a K. I like them both. Yeah, so well, then you could double hashtag, although that will be most of your 
letters, although if you at them, it's no letters anymore. It doesn't count as character. Yeah. Okay. They ruined the whole site. Let's we should just start the new Twitter now before they go out of start business. the new Twitter. So it's basically let's go bring back the top eight and then you can pay for a top nine. Yes, we, we combine MySpace with Twitter. So you have you have followers, but then you have to pick a top eight. You can add to the top eight, but it's like four ninety nine per per edition. And and but we're we're, we're what are they? One hundred forty characters. We're one hundred we're one hundred forty one. Should we be one forty one or one thirty nine? Hmm. I think we should go one less. Less characters. But the ads count again. That'll be our that'll be our TV commercial. The mm. ads count. And the TV commercial will be like a big protest and they'll be drinking soda bottles but there won't be like uh any labels on the bottle. So I don't know. We'll we'll figure this out. Okay. All right, Keith. Well, fun stuff going through the millennium. What's coming up next week? Next week we got a classic episode. We got the Peterman reality tour and we have uh, stumps of muffins. It's the muffin top. Muffin tops. Okay. Uh, that's very exciting to get into. So I'm looking forward to that. What's coming up on the 32 fans podcast. Have you guys been oh, uh, on hiatus? Well, no, we, we've never, we still never missed a week, but, uh, Chester and I haven't recorded this week. I think we're getting together for lunch on Friday and maybe we'll record at lunch if we don't look too insane in the rest. Is there something wrong with my podcast feed or have you guys just been, uh, ta- talking about stuff that no, we, we, re- we recorded something last week. I, we did, uh, I forget what we did, but we did something last Monday. We just haven't posted one in like nine days now. Let me see. We've never missed an episode, Chester. Never, never missed a week, Chester and I. Uh, League of Leagues update and greatest American, uh, of all time. Sweet 16. That was That's last, what we did last week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I, right. I, I think we'll do uh, maybe MLB over-unders if we get to doing an episode. All right, that's fun. All right, Mm -hmm. uh, well, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, editor of the great Seinfeld uh, post-show recap, and, of course, to Mike Moore, who writes the recaps. We could always use more of your iTunes reviews. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes for that. Looking forward to coming back next week and talking about the muffin tops. Topo the muffins to you next week. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.